This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by the K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Old R, Min, and JR. Hello! Welcome to episode 36, or season 2, episode 7, because I cannot decide how I want to do it, so we do both. Anyway, today we're going to continue our topic from last week, which is IU. So we're going to start off in the year 2013, and I think we're going to talk about her career up until about 2017, so there will be yet another IU episode in about two weeks, so isn't that fun? (laughs) The beginning of the year 2013 started with Little public exposure, though IU was confirmed for her first ever leading role in the weekend K-drama You Are the Best, Lee Sung Shen. Playing the main lead, IU took on the spunky Lee Sung Shen, a character that goes through a lot of hardship and eventually becomes an actress. She starred opposite Yoo Young Suk, who was also a rising star at the time. The show did fairly well and garnered a lot of positivity and awards. It allowed IU to show off her skills in a broader way than on Dream High, and in doing so, set her on a path to success within acting, on top of her already impressive upward movement in the music industry. She also had a couple of Japanese releases, but IU's 2013 Korean comeback was actually set for the spring, as her company had stated in a January announcement that she would be focusing on music, regardless of the fact that she was being called on for TV show editions. And this obviously didn't happen, especially because her first starring role was near the beginning of the year and went on for 50 episodes as it was a weekend drama. And the constant pushbacks of this comeback were very well worth it because the quality of this release is unlike anything she had put out yet. Ayu finally made her comeback on October 8th, 2013 with the full album Modern Times. To us, this album really sees a shift in Ayu's music style. It is more mature and has a different feel to it. She takes a lot of classic music genres and updates them slightly. The title track, The Red Shoes, is a perfect example of this with big brass sounds and a bouncy beat. The main male lead in the eight-minute-long music video was a fairly unknown model turned actor, John Kiyong. He's since shot to stardom, along with appearances by the Peppertones, Hanam Hoon, Yu Hyo, and Fi Fan. Continuing her streak of perfect all-kills, this track also received one. The incredible thing about this album is that it is very jazz-heavy, and that is unlike anything that was being put out during this time. The fact that it did so well is a testament to her fanbase, both casual and diehard. After listening to this album, it's understandable why Lee Hyori crowned IU as her successor. Make of that what you will. To finish off her already very packed year, as you'll recall up to this point, she led a weekend K-drama, released two Japanese single albums, and a full Korean album. She starred in another K-drama, Bell Ami, aka Pretty Man, and released a repackaged album entitled Modern Times, Epilogue. The show was highly anticipated, and the repackage's title track, Friday, gave her her fifth perfect all-kill. Award season found her taking in prizes at the KBS Drama Awards and the Mellon Music Awards. Though she was nominated at quite a few other ceremonies, it turned out to be a much more quiet end of the year for her. For the most part, 2014 was low-key, at least in comparison to her previous years. 
She celebrated her 1,000th day since debut, released a handful of singles, appeared as a feature artist on other people's tracks, dropped an EP full of covers, attended KCON for the first time, and was promoted in her honorary police position. Which, saying it now, it sounds like she had a very packed year. But that's how I wrote it, so we're gonna go with it. (laughs) (laughs) In regards to the EP, entitled A Flower Bookmark, it was released on IU's birthday, May 16th, 2014. This extended play was unlike anything she had released up to this point because it was not actually full of her songs, but rather a collection of covers. She had released covers unofficially in the past, and the positive response from fans led her to make this compilation. She chose music from the 80s and 90s and even had a couple of the original singers feature on the songs, including veteran singer Kim Chang-won and 90s sensation Kalon. The title track, My Old Story, received a music video which featured actor Che Woo-shik, who some of you may know from Parasite, as her love interest. The melancholy feel of it really set the tone for the rest of the album. Many found it to be a serene release and thought it was refreshing given the upbeat music scene during that time. The album did incredibly well given the fact that she did not actually promote it, and it even ended up topping the chart for multiple days. So we want to briefly talk about Ayu's mindset during this time. And we will not be speculating, but rather discussing some of the things that she personally has mentioned about herself. And we want to give a trigger warning for this little section, because there will be discussions of eating disorders and mental stress in the following section. We'll put a timestamp in the notes. Yes. As we've seen, just a couple of years after her debut, Ayu had been running non-stop with work. And the addition of acting loaded more onto her plate. During the filming of You Are the Best, Ayu gained some weight, and this caused a stir among netizens because they felt the need to comment on such things. Because idols' bodies are not their own. In 2013, for an interview on the Modern Times album, Ayu talked about a diet she went on to lose all the weight that she had gained while filming the K-drama. And it caused quite a stir because of how dangerous it was. She said she hated being told that she had gained weight and would think about it whenever she looked in the mirror. Then later in 2018, four years after a flower bookmark came out, She went on a show called Art of Conversation, where she discussed this more deeply, talking about the difficulties she went through both physically and mentally. She developed an anxiety disorder and an eating disorder and struggled a lot, but she eventually sought help through professionals and a well-rounded diet and yoga. And this is absolutely incredible. In recent years, idols have been a bit more forthcoming about their struggles, but they're often still guarded when they talk about them, which is fine as they don't have to be open about such intensely personal issues. Ayu is one of the first ones that we've seen to be so open about herself, and we also found it so important how she has stressed seeking help outside of yourself, especially in a culture that is still working on destigmatizing such things. If you remember from our last episode, in February of 2012, Ayu was given the position of an honorary police officer for a bullying campaign that the Seoul Police launched. 
In November of 2014, she got promoted to Honorary Corporal of Anti-School Violence, an office she would hold until November 5th, 2016. As of 2019, she is still an honorary police officer. According to Soompi, the singer was recognized for her service of leading the prevention and eradication of school violence through various activities, such as participating in the promotional signing session for the pamphlet on school violence prevention and appearing in the Make It a Safe Community promotional video that aims to eradicate the four big evils of society. Ayu has also contributed greatly to the wide promotion of the emergency hotline 117, wherein students can call regarding cases of school violence. After this, she had no other big promotions outside of award shows. As usual, the end of the year ceremonies brought Ayu more acclaim in the form of awards at the Gone Music Chart Awards, receiving Artist of the Year at the Melon Music Awards, and winning the Best Female Artist Award at MAMA. At this point, we can see something of a pattern in regards to Ayu's career. After a few low-key months at the beginning of a year, she picks up speed and gets more schedules as it progresses. 2015 was similar to this in that she did not do much promotional work outside of advertisements until her May-to-June K-drama, The Producers. Following the show and the second half of the year, she would release her fourth extended play. After a lot of CF recordings and photo shoots in the first few months, it was revealed that IU was in talks to star in a new K-drama. The writer of this upcoming show was known for the 2013 hit, My Love from the Stars. It's just okay, in my opinion, but that's besides the point. So obviously, the fact that a big writer was attached to this new show, it added to the anticipation quite a bit. And it was soon confirmed that IU, Gong Hyo Jin, Cha Tae Hyun, and Kim Soo Hyun, who was actually also the male lead in My Love from the Stars, would be leading the cast. As the show went on, the cameos got more and more fun from actors to idols to comedians. And if you actually look at the Wikipedia page for this show, the amount of cast members to cameos is like, I believe it was almost equal. Like, that's how many cameos are in this show. So, if you are a person that loves cameos, like me, I suggest you watch this one. The plot follows a bunch of variety show producers working together to make a TV show. IU plays an idol named Cindy that has been forced to keep her emotions under wraps for her entire career, though throughout the show she slowly opens up. This character is very different from her past ones because she definitely does not start off as likable, though you do become endeared to her by the final episodes. IU, as her character Cindy, also performs two new songs during the show, which would end up on IU's actual end-of-year album. The song The Heart, which doubled as an OST, actually received a perfect all-kill, and if you know anything about OSTs and the music charts, this is not a common thing. Now, I want to give a quick, like, little drama review, in my opinion. It's a really great show, and it's one of the first ones that I watched as it was airing, if that makes sense. But it was so fun to catch all the cameos, which, as I mentioned, they are very abundant. So if you like a variety of Korean entertainment, watching this show will be really fun because you can catch people who aren't usually featured in K-dramas in the show itself, and I just think that's really cool. But anyway, the story is very compelling, and I just really find that behind-the-scenes aspect of the television industry to be really fascinating, even if it is fictionalized. 
And I think this show does a really good job of that, especially since the entertainment branch took over the production of the show as opposed to the K-drama branch of KBS. So, yes, this is definitely near the top of the list in terms of IUK dramas, and I highly recommend it. All the way back in April of 2015, there had been murmurs of a comeback on the rise. Though at the time, Loen flat out denied it, saying that she was preparing, but it was nowhere near being able to drop anytime soon. It was understood that once her acting gig was over, she would be likely to actually release something. So finally, in September, Loen answered all the rumors of a comeback, revealing that she was aiming for a fall release, one that was fully composed by her. This is the first time she took part in the complete production of her music. Not only writing it, but like, all aspects of it. Which is really cool. On October 11th, she started to unveil teasers every few days for the upcoming EP entitled Chasho, or as everybody over here calls it, Catshire. <laughs> she let her fans know that she would not be promoting the album on music shows this time around in order to focus on offline performances. Regardless, she would release the music video for her title track, 23. On October 22nd, a day before the rest of the EP released. 23 is quite the upbeat track. This song follows Ayu, who has now put away her bright youth for a more edgy maturity. As she tries to navigate this transitional period in her life, she asks the listeners to solve riddle that she is. Though she herself is not quite sure what the answer would be. It is obvious that this song is deeply personal to her, and she was hoping to shed light on her perspective through it. The lyrics are witty, and the music is incredibly catchy. And she again received a perfect all-kill for 23, and won on music shows, despite not promoting it at all. <laughs> However, this album's success came with controversy. There is a lot to cover, so we're going to give a brief synopsis of the issues, and if you want to read more, you can look at our script and sources to learn more. First controversy. There's a scene in the music video for 23 that many people thought to be a sexualization of minors. Second controversy. The bonus track, 23, sampled the Britney Spears song, Give Me More, without giving proper credit. Even though she didn't produce either of the two bonus tracks, it was still on her album, hence why she was getting heat for it. Final controversy, the song Zeze took inspiration from the famous Brazilian children's book My Sweet Orange Tree by Jose Moro de Vasconcelos, and the Korean publisher of the book and then the public took issue with how Ayu interpreted the character Zeze. From debut to present, this album is the most controversial project she's released. And to wrap up this section, we want to point out that part of the reason for this intense backlash could be the fact that the nation's little sister was growing up. As she debuted so young, the public's idea of her was of a teenager, not a young adult. This release was her basically saying, I'm 23, I'm an adult, this is where I am in life, catch up folks. But nicer, because she's not me. <laughs> for all the controversies that were mentioned, people did address them, whoever worked on it, whoever took part in it, including IU, and we do want to mention that she did that, and you can see her responses in the longer version of these controversies in the script. So, keep that in mind. 
At the end of 2015, IU received the Prime Minister's commendation from the Korean Popular Culture and Art Awards, which is a ceremony run by the Ministry of Culture, Sports, and Tourism. According to the K-Pop Herald, the awards honor those who have made a contribution to contemporary pop culture and the arts. This includes actors, singers, comedians, and models. IU's commendation on the official website reads, in addition to a number of hit songs such as Good Day and Nagging, she also actively worked as an actor through the drama The Producers and emerged as a Hallyu star. Besides the commendation, I was unable to find any other wins for award show ceremonies, though she was nominated for many. Of course, idol groups at this time were experiencing a boom of new fans, so this could be part of that. However, a twist in the story is that her absence from these awards was because she was boycotting them. Her company actually ended up releasing a statement saying that she was not invited to them and that's why she did not attend. And maybe she wasn't invited to them because of the controversies of her last album. One article that we found stated that IU was actually in the lead to win Best Female Artist at MAMA, though the award eventually went to Taeyeon of Girls' Generation. As we know, Mama has an unspoken, you don't attend, you don't get award type thing. So was that part of it? Who knows? Yeah. Alleged. We're not saying anything for sure because we are <laughs> not in the nitty gritty. <laughs> By the end of 2015, there were rumors swirling about that IU would star as a lead in a new K-drama called Moon Lovers, an adaption of a Chinese story entitled Bu Bu Ying Chin. This show had yet another star-studded cast, we're talking Lee Yong-gi, as the male lead with supporting actors in Kang Ha-nul, Nam Jo-hyuk, Exos Baekhyun, Kang Ha-na, and Girls' Generation's Soyeon, among many others. You can imagine that with an ensemble cast like that, the amount of anticipation for this was off the charts. Do I know who any of these people are? I know Baekhyun. I don't know Sohyun, that's about it, because I'm the one that doesn't watch dramas. <laughs> anyway. Another interesting aspect of this show was the fact that it was entirely pre-produced. Which, today, that's not entirely uncommon. But you who might be new, and might not know yet, many K-dramas were filmed in conjunction with the release. This means that up until the last few weeks of aired episodes, they're still filming the show. This allows for writers and producers to take into account that the audience really enjoys a character or really hates one, and in turn, they can adjust the script accordingly. You can probably tell that this was a hot mess back in the day. And there is definitely some dramas where you can tell that this was the method it was being filmed oh, with. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because the story is not that really there. Anyway, <laughs> this becomes especially interesting with a show like Moon Lovers because the ships were very intense. The filming began early in the year, like, we're talking late January here, and ended up wrapping on July 1st. So about six months. Which is... Good for a TV show of that length, but still, that is a lot of time for an idol to be not doing idol things. This was an understandable amount of time because the drama spans across four seasons. The show finally held its first broadcast on August 29th, and in Korea, the show was actually a 
failed project due to its less than stellar viewership ratings and because someone thought IU and Peking's acting was just not that great. From a view outside of Korea, international fans just ate this show up. Like, yeah. <laughs> JR is a fan. Can you tell she wrote this part? Anyway. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, another part of the issue was that the convoluted plot could not be adjusted internally due to everything being written and filmed already. We also saw one more possible issue in that another Sagek drama was airing at the same time, Love in the Moonlight. Again, with very big leads. That being said, the love for this show still goes on, with fans begging for a second season to this day. This is because the ending was open and able to be interpreted however the viewer desired. Lee Young-gi and IU have even recently said that they're open for the idea of a second season, so who knows, maybe we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, so this is probably the one that really got me hooked on IU as an actress, because it was just, it was a really fun one, and I'm not a big fan of historical dramas to begin with, so the <laughs> fact that I like this one a lot, I feel like says something to a certain extent. Maybe not, because as we see, Korea hated it. But yeah, I would love a second season. And that other one that it was airing like adjacent to, I didn't like it. And I know so many people do, including international fans. But I just didn't like that one. And I cannot give you specifics as to why, because it's been a very long time. But Moon Lovers had incredible OSTs that I still listen to to this day really beautiful costuming, a fun cast, and there was just a great community of people loving it, and I, I just think that's great. So I do recommend this one, but it is 20 episodes long, which I think probably also contributed to the fact that it wasn't well-received because it does kind of drag <laughs> a little bit, but maybe I'll do like a list of my favorite IU shows <laughs> and post it when this is all done. <laughs> Given the intensity of the year, IU did not release any official albums or EPs. She did drop a single track through her fan cafe in April, and then later in the year she featured on comedian duo Donnie and Connie's song, Decision. As far as awards go, she was nominated for a few music award ceremonies. She ended up winning in the drama categories. At the SBS Drama Awards along with Lee Joong-gi, she won for Best Couple as well as Most Heart-Wrenching Award. At the beginning of 2017, IU held a concert in Taiwan and delighted fans with the prospect of new music. Loan announced the album's late April drop date in March and started to release information slowly, with two pre-release tracks slated for March 24th with the song Night Letter and April 7th with Through the Night, which ended up getting a perfect all-kill. With her first full-length album since Modern Times, Palette was released on April 21st, 2017. If Cheshire was all about not being sure of yourself and looking for ways to navigate adulthood, then Palette is about finally coming into yourself as an adult. There were a lot of special things about this album. She worked with many collaborators, including Sam Kim, Oh Hyuk, and obviously G-Dragon for the title track. She also reunited with Kim Unha. Music videos for Palette ending scene, and two videos for the pre-release songs were dropped during the promotional period as well. 
This comeback marked her performances on music shows again for the first time in about three years, too. That's a long time. The title track, Palette, featuring Big Bang's G-Dragon, is an electropop track that showcases IU's ethereal voice in a lovely way. The lyrics show growth and maturity by telling the listener that she has discovered what she likes and dislikes, and in doing so has discovered more of herself as a person at the age of 25. Not only that, but she has respect and love for her past self as well. G-Dragon jumps onto the track with a chill rap to give her encouragement in who she is becoming, as he himself is 30 and a life senior, as Koreans sometimes put it. The music video places IU in multiple scenes that are all quite minimal, being a tone that fits the rest of the song. She of course took in a bunch of music show wins with the song, making 10 wins across the four programs. Earlier in the year, 2017 if you're not following along, around May, reports came out that K-pop icon Lee Hyori was going to star in her own reality show in which she and her husband run a homestay. This was actually their own home in Jeju, where people could come and experience a healing vacation. Because it's in Jeju, that's where all the healing is done. (laughs) Soon after reports of the show came out, it was announced that IU would be taking part in the show as well, essentially as Hyori's right-hand man, or woman, if you'd like. If you remember, we mentioned that Hyori gave Ayu her crown, so people were very excited to see these two powerhouses interact together. The show definitely delivered in this way. The pair obviously ran the homestay together, but they also had deep talks, cooked, and even did yoga together. Just great. That's what we love seeing women do. The show ended on high ratings with over 9% viewership. At the end of August, it was revealed that IU would be making yet another comeback this year, with a second album of remakes fittingly entitled A Flower Bookmark 2, which was to be released on September 22nd. The title track, Autumn Morning, originally by Yang Hee Sun, was actually dropped on the 18th, the same day as her ninth anniversary since debut. As usual, upon release, she tore up the charts with high ranks and all kills, because she just keeps winning. And we love to see it. While IU did not officially act this year, it did not make 2017 any less busy. Some other happenings were her opening a fan club after nine years of being on the music scene, which is crazy to me that she didn't have one before then. She also featured on an epic high track, which ended up hitting the top of the charts. She was a guest on G-Dragon's Taiwan tour stop, and she actually also had him as a guest at her own concert during the year. With the end of the year also comes end of year award ceremonies, as usual. And after the success of Palette, it's no surprise that IU raked in the prizes from multiple award shows, and not just any prizes, Day Songs. At the Melon Music Awards, she took in a Day Song for the best album of the year, as well as two other Bond songs. And eventually, she would take home best pop album at the korean music awards and record of the year at the soul music awards which are all the same thing for saying she had the best album of the year but they have to have different names because creativity there were also some smaller awards she won that year but you can find those through a quick search we're not going to name every single one (laughs) so to wrap up 
I use continued success is an incredible feat because, as we know, the music industry is ever-evolving, and in doing so, that often leaves artists behind. But IU, who has been in the music industry well over nine years now, has continually shown that she is able to grow and mature in her work, and we think that is what has kept her at the top of her game all these years. We will see more of this winning streak in the next episode, in which we will discuss her work from 2018 to the present day. Also in that episode, there will be a small reflective section in which we discuss her impact in general and on us, so please stay tuned. Min, please tell us the song of the day. So on September 19th, 2008, somebody might fight me and be like, oh no, it didn't come out on the 19th, it came out on the 18th. Well, this is what happens when you try looking for old music. One Wikipedia will say something, another will say something else. I've seen more for 19th, September 19th, than I've seen for the 18th, so I go for the 19th. Anyway, Sundambi, who was at this point called the female, Rain. Because Rain was big at this time, and every solo artist would be compared to Rain. Anyway, <laughs> she released the also creatively titled mini-album, Volume 2. A.K.A. her second mini-album. I'm so glad... We're done with the naming the mini-albums, mini-albums, number one, two, three, or five. I know. Because it's a mess. There's so many artists that have named their things this back in ye late 2000s. <laughs> anyway, it featured the title track Crazy, which is iconic. And it has a very iconic chair dance, or a particular move. But the rest of the dance is also very iconic in general. And it very quickly became a trend of sorts, and a lot of other artists were covering it. A lot more were parodying it. But it became a pretty big hit. Like, there's a good chance you've come across the song once you come to the chorus. Like, once you listen to it and you heard the chorus, you might be like, oh yeah, I've, I've come across this at some point. It's a great song. And it also features a male rapper voice, though it isn't... In the title of the song, it's not named as a feature. You just hear random male rapper, which also happened a lot in late 2000s K-pop, where you would just have a random dude say like three lines in any K-pop song and you wouldn't know who it was. Anyway, <laughs> the, <laughs> the mysterious rapper in the song is actually Shinwa's Eric. But since this song came out in 2008, there are no official uploads of the music video for the song on YouTube, but there is still music core performances from 2008 officially posted that you can go watch, and you should because it's a great song, Sundambi is beautiful, and it's a fun time! Does it sound like it comes from the late 2000s? Yes! Does that make it kind of hard to listen to if you only listen to very recent pop music? Yes. Should you still listen to it? Yes. <laughs> it's good, okay? Let's do a trivia. We should have jingles. Somebody make us a jingle or three. Last time I asked, do you know how Weezung originally had his original debut? And the answer is, he was a part of an idol group. Believe it or not. In... 1999, he was part of the group A4, which they lasted, I think, only about two years. 
but he left after the first album due to creative differences. And interesting fact, they are the only boy group from Dr. Music. So Dr. Music released Baby Vox, then A4, then they went into doing like Baby Vox, Rev, and then eventually Rania and Black Swan, as you guys probably know about them. But they also have another group that's co-ed called K-Tiger Zero. I know absolutely nothing about them, just that they are active. Oh, yeah, there's so. a taekwondo group. Oh, really? What? I know yeah. them too, then. Yeah, K-Tigers. That must be the taekwondo one. Yeah, A4 was the only boy group attempt the company made. And huh. Zong was a part of it. And I put a picture in the chat if you want to see young Zong. He's the second from the left. Beautiful. They're pretty easy to find. Uh, well, they're not easy to find, but they're pretty easy. Like once you get like the Hangul, you can find a lot of stuff about them, and it's just hilarious to see like Weizong on these, you know, teeny bopper magazines mm-hmm. that have like, um, like bias information and stuff, where it's like birthday, blood type, and like it goes on to like all like their like likes and stuff like that. And there's like a bunch of these magazines that just are really cute with him. And considering as he's pretty much just known as like powerhouse vocalist it is hilarious to see him kind of like this because you don't normally see him as like being youthful yeah you just think of him as like an r&b artist so it's just he was a main vocalist i think back then but that's nothing compared to like how he's been doing since he's been solo cool he was originally in an idol group nice hilarious so these solo artists these big legends they were also idols at some point jr take us away Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbays or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. A quick reminder that we now have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. On our channel, you will find a teaser for a highly anticipated project spearheaded by none other than our very own Old R. Also, don't forget that our final IU episode comes out on September 26th. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.